This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, U.S. soccer, looking great time. Much to the chagrin of my coworkers who don't love their country time. We'll get to talking about that later time, because right now we're talking Tennessee football time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. It seems like a we could call it a seasonally appropriate Monday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Temperatures around fifty-eight degrees or so. Nice, nice sunny skies. Just took uh, just took the pup outside, kicked the soccer ball around for a little bit. Actually, watching soccer on the television now. The U.S. up three-one on Panama in the first half. I would say. Uh, spoiler alert, but this will probably be released after the game is, is over, I'm guessing. Uh, not just me on this podcast. We've got from an undisclosed location across town somewhere in the 865 area code, generally speaking. It is the one and only Patrick Brown, the beat writer extraordinaire for Tennessee football for Go Vols 24-7. Pat, what's up, man? Other much, I'm not watch- watching soccer, so I guess I'm one of those haters you're talking about. Yeah. Not a soccer hater, but I just... I don't get all the fuss about the U.S. team. They've they're de- they've been dead to me since they screwed up the World Cup years ago. Well, for those of us, and I know Pat, you're in this group too. You love um, you love club as they call it club football. Um, you know, I'm a big Arsenal fan. You're a big Liverpool fan. And sometimes when they go on these international breaks, players get hurt and it sucks, and, and then they can't play for your favorite club. And it's for a usually while. Liverpool's players that get hurt, so that's why I'm angry and hate international football. Yeah, Arsenal's best player is actually a striker f- uh, from Gabon. Uh, the Central African uh, coast country, and uh, they are they're playing. I think today against Guinea or, or someone over there in Africa, and they had due to some like you know COVID testing issues or, or accommodation issues, they slept on the floor uh, in the airport last night. So Arsenal's best striker, who is probably worth I don't know 150 million euros or so, uh, makes what 350 or 400 k a week, whatever it is, was sleeping on a floor. Uh, in an African airport. So, but they are uh, playing the game, and that is the segue. To Auburn and Tennessee. Auburn yeah, there and we go. Tennessee. I was getting there eventually. We get a couple minutes of freebie at the beginning. Auburn and Tennessee looks like, uh, at least, you know, this is me knocking on wood, looks like it will be played on Saturday or it's on track to being played. Obviously, that was a concern because uh, last, week's Tennessee, last week's Tennessee game against uh, Texas A&M had gotten postponed, and and AM's next game against Ole Miss has already been postponed as well. And then you combine that with the fact that Auburn had, I believe, 10 players, maybe a couple staffers, test positive for COVID last week. And you wonder, uh, I went in, I'll be honest, Pat, I went into this most recent weekend thinking, I if I had to guess, I would say that Auburn-Tennessee game does not get played on time. 
it looks like now uh, it might be played on time. Some of Auburn's players who have tested positive could be uh, – it'll be a really close deal there, a really close run thing, but they might be available to play against the Vols on Saturday. And as far as we know, Tennessee's COVID numbers have still been seven weeks and counting with, with none, so it looks like maybe they can play this game. Yeah, I would say going into the weekend it was looking a little dicey um, because Auburn did have to shut down activities last week. Now, their game against Mississippi State was postponed because of Mississippi State, uh, not Correct. because of Auburn. But Correct. Auburn did have um, a bit of a, a, a small spike in cases. Um, and with those those cases and uh, quarantines and contact tracing and 14 days, uh, sometimes you never know. But uh, Auburn getting back to practice over the weekend, Gus Malzahn saying – uh, I think on Sunday that everything is is looking like it's trending towards uh, the game happening. Um, obviously, that that's good news as we sit here on Monday afternoon. As we know, Wes, there's three rounds of testing uh, in the SEC. Correct. Uh, one of them will be on Tuesday, and the other will be on Thursday. So, um, don't necessarily. Uh, it, it's not in Sharpie yet, I would say. Yeah, and, um, and it probably won't be until um, you know potentially as early as as late as Friday. That's just kind of how uh, this deal goes or whenever they get the results back from, from Thursday's test. That's just how it's been all season. Um, and that's, it's still how it is. Yeah. And, and I, I think from, from all I could tell, from all indications, Tennessee's weekend testing went okay too, because you think about that and, and it wasn't a planned open date weekend, but it became an open date weekend. So Tennessee's players, even if they didn't have time to go home, probably had time to if they chose, there's still no huge restrictions here in Knoxville. They probably could have gone out and about if they chose to, uh, gone to a party. I don't know what any of them did or didn't do, but you know, for for all the talk of of this team's frustration on the field, I do think we we probably should throw out there a, a nice uh, what it was Philip Fulmer column caduce to the guys for doing their part off the field. It looks like they're taking this seriously. They're not going out and risking too many things, knock on wood. You know, they, they've not had anything kind of run rampant through the program in a while. So that has been positive. Now, there's not been a lot of positives on the field. In fact, somebody was asking me the other day, is this team better in any way, shape, or form in any position group, any area of the game from last season? And I said, eh, maybe run blocking. Uh, other than that, it, it's tough to say if anything's gone better, but uh, they've done their part off the field with some of this stuff. And, and in a year like this, I, I think you shouldn't take that for granted. I think that's a good thing, and and they might get a chance to play. Now the question is, with all that time off um, or, or a weekend off, what what were they able to do? Uh, Jeremy Pruitt said they, they've gotten as healthy as they've been probably all season, which I would assume uh, means Jared Garantano is okay. So now the quarterback situation is fully involved he, he practiced on sunday yes yeah so it looks like now that's going to be something to watch all week again uh, it, it might have been anyway uh, but it certainly will be now and I, I wonder pat what is feasible what what could you possibly do with an extra open date that you didn't know you were going to get until maybe early mid part of the week what are you able to do in those few days that can tangibly make things a lot better or a lot different on the field in a game? Uh, I think you can do a lot of things, Wes. I think you can um, kind of go back into camp mode. Uh, I think you can uh, – and by camp mode, I mean you got three groups. You're, mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got all um, – you know, three groups, three groups rolling in. 
lot of reps, uh, as many team periods as you can get into two, two and a half hours, however long they can practice, uh, a lot of individual work, uh, really just kind of focus on yourself. You know, we hear that a lot uh, around open dates. They're not called by weeks, um, <clears throat> but uh, it, it's a chance for, um, in Tennessee's case, for a lot of young players to kind of go back up and, and, and make up for time, you know, things that they lost. It's, it's a chance for a guy like Samaria McDonald, who, missed all the preseason and, and has only been practicing for a few weeks now. It's, it's, you know, a chance for Tennessee to go and, and keep building on what they taught him in the first open date, which is basics of, you know, the basic calls of their coverage, you know, how they play this coverage, how they play that coverage, how they pattern match, all those things. So, um, and, you know, for, for some of those young guys, for uh, some of the guys that mentioned that, that Pruitt mentioned on Monday, which uh, included all three of the younger quarterbacks, Harris, uh, Harrison Bailey, Brian Maurer, JT Shrout, chance to get all those guys a lot of work, chance to get, um, real hands-on with, with some of those freshman receivers. We've all been sort of wondering why they haven't played Jimmy Holloway, uh, Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Calloway. See, I combine their name. Yeah. You just call them the Jimmies from now yeah, on. Yeah, they're the Jimmies. Um, and then Malachi Weidman as well, a chance to just kind of get uh, get real detailed and, and sort of really teach them maybe some stuff that they missed when they were uh, in quarantine back in the preseason. I know that people are tired of hearing about that, but uh, that's the reality of Tennessee's situation. And now they've had time. Uh, they've had a couple weeks here where they've not had games to sort of try to uh, make up for that time and so if you're Tennessee that that's what you've been doing you've not been giving your veterans you know the whole week off necessarily um, those guys have been practicing as well but you know if some guys are banged up you're 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 taking it easy with them um you're trying to maybe load manage some guys that's an NBA term bringing that up up in here there you go uh, uh NBA offseason is off and rolling already on Monday just a little plug there but uh, you know it, it's a chance for Tennessee to uh try to set themselves up to maybe play some of these younger guys. You know, I think we've all been sort of waiting to see and, uh, you know, Peru is kind of tease like they're going to play some more of these younger guys. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, will we see it? I don't know. I'm sort of in the believe it when I see it kind of mode with, with that. And uh, obviously I think the big question is who do they start a quarterback and um, Peru kind of left it open on Monday about what they're going to do. So uh, I would not get, if I was a Tennessee fan, I would not get your hopes up that it's going to be Harrison Bailey, but um, it's certainly a, a departure from what Pruitt has said in the past about Garantano and his status as Tennessee's starting quarterback. The safest bet I can make about Tennessee's quarterback situation is that I don't believe you'll see, um, you know, just one quarterback taking all the snaps <laughs> in the game. I think I think history, uh, recent history, in many ways tells you that that's probably the outcome. There, we'll we'll see. Uh, you know, hey, last time Jared Garantano went down to Auburn, he played one of the best games of his college career. So. You never know. I mean, we've seen weirder things happen, but, you know, the comment you were making about Tamara McDonald made me kind of laugh a little bit because I was thinking, okay, here's some more basics of the defense. Here's how you learn how to line up. Uh, now here's Michael Schwartz in the open field. Go get him, Tiger. Uh, yeah, that, that guy is uh, that guy's a freak, man. That, that, Auburn, that Auburn receiver, he's one of the fastest college football players I can remember ever seeing. So uh, Auburn is certainly an interesting team. There's a lot to discuss about that, and we'll discuss Auburn more later in the week. At this point, I, I don't want to go too heavy on Auburn because what if we, on the Monday podcast, spend 20 minutes talking about Auburn and then the game's not played? Uh, you know, at this rate, I think that's, let's save that maybe for the Thursday podcast or, or a little bit later in the week. We can talk a little bit more about Auburn. Uh, but there was some interesting news, I think, for Tennessee on on Monday. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming, right? There was the report from Blake Topmeyer and the Knoxville News Sentinel last week that uh, just two of Tennessee's full-time assistants, uh, Jay Graham and T. Martin, uh, whether that's coincidentally or not, the only two who played football uh, at Tennessee uh, were the only two assistants who, to this point, have accepted uh, temporary, 
temporary pay reductions uh, as as part of the uh, university's kind of battle economically, financially against COVID-19. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt was not asked to give, uh, was not asked to, to do a reduction in salary because when he got his most recent extension after last season, he did not get a raise and, and the pandemic was a big part of that. Uh, how, and they decided that was sufficient for him because maybe that would have been a whatever small raise, 300, 400,000, whatever it would have been. Uh, he, he probably, he just said, you know, let's just delay that for at least a year or so. And, and I think that's fair. People won't like that, but I think that's fair. Uh, that That is already a reduction in salary by its nature. It, it is. Uh, and Pruitt, we knew on Monday he was going to be asked about this a, a lot because this is something that was a big deal. This was something that he had not had a chance to speak to publicly since the report came out. And I think Pruitt, you could tell Pruitt knew it was coming because he used his opening statement, in fact, his first comments to address the issue and said, I know the character of the men in this program. And I know that while that story is factually accurate, I don't think it's the full story. I think these guys will do things toward the end of the maybe the year. We'll see if this thing ends differently. And he mentioned that him specifically, he does his uh, church tithing in the final week of December every year and that maybe guys just want to do that at the end of the at the end of the season. And that's okay. He also said that contracts for guys are different, where this guy may have on the last year of his deal, another guy might have two years left on his, whatever the case may be. Uh, And he also said, I think, interestingly, that he and his wife have agreed to give part of their salary uh, or give part of his salary, I should say. I guess it, it, it is their salary if they're married, right? To give that to uh, some people in the program, but that has to go the NC- through the NCAA. And I know that's true because Rick Barnes has done the same thing before with an assistant coach he didn't think was paid enough. So that's how it goes. Pat, your reaction to to that news and, and to Pruitt's reaction to it? Well, obviously the, the optics aren't great. Uh, to me, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that huge of a deal, to be honest with you, S. I mean, and maybe I'm wrong. I know some people feel uh, a certain type of way about it. Um, I, I think some reason as a, as a society we love to say what we would do and you know say what decisions we would make with other people's money um and, and it's easy for people to assume that just because somebody's making uh 1.6 million or whatever or 1 million or what have you or eight hundred thousand that um that they would make a certain type of decision if they were making that salary you know what i mean uh, and call me if i'm crazy call me i'm you know call me crazy i just um no you know, I, no, well, how people decide to spend their own money is up to them. It's a personal situation. And and that's why, uh, you know, Pruitt said Monday that he wasn't involved in any of the conversations. Um, you know, that was obviously between the coaches and the administration. Um, you know, and, and in, in many, in some cases, this would not even be public information. It is public information. And that's how uh, it was obtained because these are, are university employees. Uh, they are public figures. Um, their salaries are, you know, there's the state level uh, aspect of it, and that's why their information is public record. So anyone who works at a um, public university, yeah, they're they're. It's not even a public university. I mean, even if you if you're public a, employee, public, yeah. public education system. I mean, uh, my wife is a teacher, and you know, I could, you know, a few clicks, I could look up her salary. I don't need but, you but, to know it. But we don't know her name, and we'll never mention it. That's right. Um, and so uh, it, it's it's. To me, I think some people were probably mad, just uh, were really mad about it, just to get mad about it, um, particularly people on the outside. Now, I will say this. If I'm somebody who's making $55,000 a year and I'm slaving away cutting up film of, of Auburn or, or this recruit for, for Jim Chaney uh, and I didn't have a choice to take a pay cut, 
uh, I would probably be a little bit miffed, maybe a little resentful. Um, I, I would understand that that's probably human nature, but, uh, for people on the outside, I think some people are just, uh, it's just another thing to get mad about. They're mad about them being two and four and losing Arkansas and Kentucky. That's, that's, you know, maybe I'm misreading the situation. And, and frankly, we had a lot of people on our message board who were like, yeah, I wouldn't take the pay cut either. So, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a personal decision people have, um, you know, like I said, everybody likes to say what they would do with someone else's money. So, uh, I think in some of these cases, uh, you know, guys like Shelton Felton, Joe Osevet, you know, what were they making a year ago? You know, they were, Osevet was a support staffer, uh, and, and Felton was at Akron, you know, what, what, what were they making? And now they get pretty big raises, right? Yeah. And they're still on the lower side of the, of the payment on, on the staff. Uh, you know, AJ artists as well. I mean, what he, I think he was making less than 90,000 as the assistant strength coach. Now it gets bumped up to like 225. I mean, it's, you know, they may have some bills they got to pay. So, and, and there's some other coaches that, uh, as Pruitt kind of alluded to that, that have contract situations where their contracts are out in January. If I've got, you know, if I've got three months left in my contract, why would I be taking a pay cut, a tier pay cut over the next eight months when I may not even be here in more than three months. So it, it's, it's a complicated situation. I know a lot of people got mad about it. To me, it's not really that big a deal, but maybe I'm wrong. I think there's. Tell me if I am, Wes. No, you're not wrong. There, there. It's not a simple thing. I think is the easiest way to say it, and then I'll I'll say it with more words now. I think that, you know, I think back to a comment Lane Kiffin made earlier this year, when he was talking about you know whatever his salary was, and he goes, "Well, here's the thing, guys. I, you take a hundred percent of my salary, right? Off the top, my agent gets what ten, fifteen percent. I'm divorced, so my ex-wife gets about half of it that's left." And then after, you know, then, then you've got the uh, whatever, 30, 40% in taxes that are gone. And then I've got three children. So at the end of the day, I'm not saying I'm hurting, but how much am I really making? How much of this is really mine? And again, part of that is because of his life de- decisions and life choices. But, but my <laughs> I point... I like how you pick Lane give out to make your point. Well, my, my point is that, that, that that's the first one that popped in my head because some of these guys have situations that people don't necessarily know about, right? And you, that's the point because th- these are personal situations and nobody knows what some of these personal situations yeah. are. It's easy to look at this coach and say, oh, he's making this much money. He must be rolling in it. Why would he not give up 5% to help the department out? Now, I mean, and, and something that I think got overlooked in, in this story is that the goal of these reductions was to save about $1.6 million, and these coaches not taking pay cuts is only costing Tennessee about $300,000. Yeah, and, and – So it's not like – you know, it's not like a huge big – it's not like they're losing out – it's not like they're missing out on $5 million right here. You got some people complaining about this, and they're also saying they need to fire Pruitt, and that's a – you know, that's $12, $13 million buyout money right there. It's like that doesn't jive. That's why – some people that are, you know, people that are on the outside of the program, and I'm not talking again. If I'm the athletic department and I'm a, and I'm a secretary and I'm making sixty thousand a year and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a choice, I'd take a pay cut. I'd probably be a little mad, and I, I would get that. I'm yeah. talking about people, fans, you know, some of the national media were doing their usual pearl clutching about this. You know, it, it's well, it's, I, I think that people, I don't think it's it's a simple thing. Now, do I think they should ultimately? accept a, a, a mild reduction, a temporary reduction in payment? Yes. Uh, even if that's just taking some of it off now and saying you can have it a year from now, we'll give you the same amount of money. We just Deferring need, it is we just, we just need to wait a yeah. year or so to do that, or if that's the case. But the fact that every other coach that we know of uh, at the university did it, 
Um, and you know that 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 is not a good look because football coaches in general make more. I know that Barnes makes more than Pruitt, um, but I mean by their resumes, I I think that's fair at this point. So my point is. There are factors at play that I think people don't necessarily think about, but at the end of the day, I do think it's the right thing to do, and not just for the optics. I think the right thing to do is to go ahead and do it um, just because, you know, what happens if they have to start furloughing people? And, and if this thing continues, let's say basketball season becomes a big, huge problem. Let's say that happens. Then you're talking about even more money they're not getting and revenue issues and you start going down the line and and it could go on for a while right and there they could be having to furlough people they could have to you know lay lay off some people you know or cut or cut a sport or you know take you know find all non-essential workers in the department and either furlough or lay them off or just you know remove their job entirely if it comes to that and these guys still wouldn't take their reductions okay that's that's what a bastard would do. Okay, at that point, you're being, I'll just come out and say it, you're being a jackass at that point. Right yeah. now, right now, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I do think they need to do it. I do think it's unfortunate. But I also think that Pruitt's had a comment that I think could be referenced a lot. It could be broken down several different ways. He said that, I think a lot of the guys did not know how this would look or how this would play out. And and I think you could look at that as saying, well, they thought they could just get away with it. I I don't know if that's what he meant. I think some of them meant, listen, you know, if you can tell me right now that I'm saving the jobs of others, if I do this, then I'm all on board. But if it's, you're not firing anybody, you're not doing any of that yet. So why would I why would I do this if I don't have to do this? Plus, in some cases, some of these guys aren't going to be making any money in January unless they get another job because some of these guys, they're on expiring contracts, and the way Tennessee's performing right now, they're going to have to make some changes on the staff. We all know that. So let's wait and see. I mean, I, I think it, it's – I don't – I mean, would I, would I have written the story? Yes, I would have written the story if I'd had that information. I think that is a fair story to write, and I can, I can defend that because – Right now, you're talking about a, a department that's lost at least $40 million in revenue this year. And some of its highest earners are not chipping in, and that is worth writing. Now, people may not like that, but, hey, I think that's fair to write. But I, I, I also think I would make sure that I got information from these guys on, hey, I'm going to write this. Why did you not do this? Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's different ways you can go about it. But but I, the story is fair. I have no problem with that. I just think that, you know, I don't want this to be a deal where this story is written now and then in two or three months, these guys, you know, do defer that money or do give back some of that money. And, and then the it's, same energy isn't there. And right. the same energy isn't there for that. Uh, that is where when people come after us in the media, a lot of times I go, you're being ridiculous. Because I think a majority of the time people are being ridiculous. But there are times when people are correct. And I think this is one of those cases where you know, this is one of those, if it bleeds, it leads deals. And this thing is bleeding right now. If they stop the bleeding later, will we mention that? I hope that we do. Uh, Go Vols 24-7, I promise you, we will do that. We will be fair. We always try to be fair. Uh, and I, I just think there but was... It's, it's, def- it's definitely a it's definitely a newsworthy story. But, but, I, but, I some, but some of the pearl clutching, you're right, that was a good phrase. The pearl clutching gets a little bit obnoxious. And it was the usual types. and the, It's the usual Tennessee haters in the national media, and not Nashville, national media. 
That was Freud. Uh, that was Freudian as heck. <laughs> we uh, we all know who 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 they are. Um, and I thought Blake Topmeyer did a good. You know, I thought it was a balanced story. He had, I do too. He had Philip Fulmer on on record making a statement. He mentioned that there were a couple of other football programs at Texas and Oklahoma State that have coaches that declined pay reductions. Oh, it was very um, well. Bl- 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 Blake is pro- a Blake's a pro. He did a good job. There, there's probably more that we don't know about because either they have, you know, certain you know records requests limitations in those states uh or maybe cough 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 alabama georgia cough cough you know you know i i would bet tennessee is not the only football program that had coaches do this uh there there might be the only program that had coaches do this during the middle of a four-game losing streak uh a season that's kind of gone uh off the rails a little bit so i think that's which did which, which did cause some in the program some some frustration they believed that they thought the timing of this was the timing and, of the timing of this is what irritated them because I, I heard from some people who were asking me, you know, why did this get written now? I said, well, because the, they had the information now. It's not my story, but I'm guessing they had the information now, and they're like, well, why did they have the information? Now? I'm like, I don't know. You got to ask them. That that's yeah. That's, but they, they they thought it was they thought it was it was the fact that this was kind of a kick in the crotch when they were already down on the ground. And, 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 you know, I mean, I saw some tweets and some message board posts that were like, they fire these guys. They shouldn't have their contracts. Moved. Like that, that's the kind of overreaction that kind of was like yeah. puzzling to me because that, that gets back to people saying, oh, I would do, I would make these decisions with somebody else's money. It's the same reason why people are like, well, why can't the, the boosters pony up so-and-so's buyout? You know, it's, it's the same. It's easy to spend or give up other people's yeah. money. That's, that's the point I keep getting back to for, uh, for some of these people you know, for some of the reaction, uh, again, if I'm, you know, if I'm another head coach at, at Tennessee, uh, and I'm worried about my program might get cut if this stuff keeps going on and, and, and the revenue keeps, uh, if the revenue losses continue to pile up and I'm worried that my sport might be on the chopping block. I would be a little bit upset about this. Well, the, the, I'm, I'm making it, I just want to keep, I keep getting back to it, but I'm making a, uh, I keep referencing that there are certain people that I think have a reason to maybe be a little bit upset and maybe a little bit resentful about the situation. And there are other people that have no business, you know, having a certain type of, of reaction to well, it because it's not really into their business. Yeah. Let's say, let's, let's, let's do a nice easy number here. Let's say that Pat, you're coaching at Tennessee and you make $750,000 a year. Let's just go with, with an even, you know, a, sort of a, an even number there. Who says I'm not making $750,000 working for GoVols 247. I'm just kidding. It ain't my business. Uh, we, we each have our own contracts. I don't, and I don't want to know what anyone else here makes, but w- when you, let's say you're coaching at Tennessee and you make 750 K a year, I'm going to fire you, Pat, you're fired. Man, that made me feel good to say that. Pat, you're fired. Now that you're fired, will you give us about twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars? Let me tell you how that's going to go. Uh, <laughs> badly, you're not going to get a dime because they're going to make you. You're going to fire me. Okay, then you pay me everything that's left on my contract. By the way, and then you're paying that, and you have to go hire another coach who will probably make in the same ballpark as the person who you just fired because that person will say, wait, you just fired a guy because he wouldn't take 25,000 off his salary, bro. I'm not taking that job unless you double what the other guy was making. So now you're spending even more money. If you do the irrational, stupid thing, which is to fire someone for that. So that's dumb. Let's not go there. You don't just say, well, you just fire him because they won't do that. No, that's not how, do you know how this thing works? If you think that you don't. 
I thought you were going to ask me if I would have taken a salary reduction at seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I thought you were about to just put me on the spot just out in front of everybody. Oh no, I, I think that the right thing to do is to is to do that. But you know, and and I do think this we need to give Pruitt credit for this too. If Pruitt fully intends, and and I have no reason, I'll say this: Jeremy Pruitt has not answered some of my questions before. I have never caught the dude lying to me. In my reactions, in my dealings with him, both publicly in terms of press conferences and privately behind the scenes, I have had to ask him questions at times where he's been like, no, I don't want to answer that. But he'll tell you, no, I don't want to answer that. He, he He's never been like, this thing is red when it's when it's really blue. He, he, he's, not, he's not that kind of a dude. Uh, in my experience with him, he's not. So when he says... Yeah, my wife and I are have agreed that we're going to be giving part of my salary to people in the department, but we have to go through the NCAA to do that. I believe that. Now, I might be wrong because everybody tells white lies now and then, but I've never caught the dude lying to me. I mean, if that was a lie, I think somebody would behind the scenes probably probably leak that out, right? At this point, yes. I think that would <laughs> I mean, be the case. I mean, yeah, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just going to see how this moves forward. I, there's probably some coaches that never thought that that decision would get out. And that's uh, unfortunate have, because they should have been advised better on that. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and maybe they have a change of heart or, you know, who knows? Maybe they were waiting to, you know, uh, maybe if you're T. Martin, you know, your contract, he, he took a reduction, but he's probably about to get a new contract. And he's probably going to want to, you know, a certain amount of money on that on that contract because he's been having his salary supplemented by USC for the past two years. So, yep. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're Will Friend or Brian Niedermeyer, I think those are the other two guys that are on uh, their contracts expire in a couple of months. If you're getting a new contract, maybe you defer, maybe you take a lower salary and defer some of it. And I, I, I'm not saying this is why T did that, because I don't think that's the case. But, man, uh, you talk about good timing on that when, when he's got a contract that he's going to have to get renewed anyway and he's already – everybody loves T anyway. I mean, there's a street named after him here for God's sake. I mean, you know, everybody here loves T Martin. There used to be a like a like a wax figure of him basically like in the – of him and Peyton in the football building just sitting there wearing their letter jackets and stuff. So, yeah, everybody here loves T. And so T's a guy you'd want to keep anyway, and, and now he's – voluntarily giving up some of some of his money going into this negotiation so now there's even more pressure on everybody to keep him and if you want to keep him it's going to cost you money so i don't think this is why t did it necessarily but i gotta tell you smart move either way smart move either way uh speaking of uh money uh we're going to step away for just a second so uh people will give us money and by that i mean our sponsors of this fine podcast with their products and services and in-house ads and other fun things and we're going to pay those bills we're going to step away and we will be right back here in just one second here on the go balls 24 7 podcast hashtag I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from an undisclosed location. And during that commercial break, uh, Pat, Pat swung his camera down to show his dog. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what that means. Uh, I had to uh, take the Gus bus and park it outside uh, during this this episode of the podcast because he likes to sit at my feet during the day, but sometimes he just grumbles because that's what he does. And Pat is uh, very passive aggressively showing me that his lovely dog does not do that. And I, I I don't I don't know that that's what he meant, but I'm pretty sure that's what he meant. Well, she she's a sweetheart. She also likes to uh, sit down by my office chair while I work keep me company until uh my wife gets home and then she loses her mind um to greet her and yes scout is uh she's been very well trained that is me patting myself on the back by saying i'm a better dog trainer than you uh, so yeah. she is very well behaved yeah corgis are just loud dogs they you can train them very very well and gus can do several commands and he's a right because really golden retrievers are really soft and they do everything very quietly and timidly. They're not known as manic, though. I would say, which uh, which which corgis are are manic farm dogs. But you know that's okay. Hey, that's not a big deal. What Guys, I'm saying is my dog is better than yours. Is what I'm saying certainly bigger, probably three times bigger. Really, what what what's she weighing in at these days? Gus is Gus is a, Gus is a cool Gus is a cool twenty nine point five pounds. I think she's uh she's lost a lot of weight actually and is down to 70 pounds so she's a big gal a few, Whoa. few months ago so. yeah gus is, t- is knocking down the door of 30 which will probably be his max weight until he gets old and fat so he's 20 pounds to being a dog according to ron swanson <laughs> we got plenty of good stuff to talk about here in this second uh or second segment of the go boss 24 7 podcast not if you are will Muschamp, but um for other people certainly some interesting things to discuss before we do that though i'm just going to ask everyone again please go in there guys please take just a second out of your day not a second i'll be real it's going to take about a minute or two but take a minute or two out of your day and go in there and hit the subscribe button on this podcast rate and review this podcast wherever you can cast a fine pod whether that's apple podcast spotify iheart tune in stitcher wherever you can cast a fine pod you can find this podcast and we do it for free and we're happy to do it but one thing that helps us out more than anything else is if you go in there and tell your friends first off but then go in there hit that subscribe button rate and review this podcast if we do some merch giveaway later on some things like that uh, and I've been looking at some designs of some shirts and things that we could have some fun with and, and koozies and all these other fun things. Uh, and maybe we'll give away that. You, what do you call that? Is that payola? Yes, it is. Do I care? No, I do not. Go in there and uh, please tell us what you like, what you don't like. Uh, we'd love five-star reviews, but if you don't think we deserve them, don't give them to us. I'm not going to just say go in there and drop it five stars. Other people do that. I'm not going to assume that we deserve that. Uh, I hope that we do. Um, but go in there and be honest with us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. And we got plenty of things uh, that we can do there. Take questions. Maybe we'll do some shows based off of some, some, some submissions or some questions uh, in those in those things. So please go in, take a minute or two, and do that. Pat, the uh, SEC wheels are already turning. Uh, we wondered going into this season, would anyone be able to pull the, the trigger on a fire 
in such an economic climate? Would anybody be able to do that? Uh, and the answer is this is the SEC. So, yes, someone could find a way to do that. Now, South Carolina has, has parted ways with Boom Muschamp after several years. Um, but, and I think this is the important thing to note here, if we're going to be objective about this, I think the situation with Muschamp at South Carolina is different from the one with Pruitt at Tennessee. I, I just think this was coming more there than it was somewhere somewhere like here right now. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that, Wes. I mean, uh, Muschamp, you know, went four and eight last season. Uh, they, they got kind of, they got spanked in their bowl game the year before at the end of the 2018 season, Virginia beat them in the belt ball 28 nothing. That might've been the, uh, beginning of the end. Um, and so they're two and five this season. So you do the math there. I think they're six and 14 in the past 20 games. Yeah. Not great. Bob. I mean, this isn't, you know, this isn't a, you know, this has kind of been going that way for a while. Um, and there were yeah. weird things behind the scene last year, too, with the AD and the president, and were they on board, were they not? You know, there, there's been some friction and some questions there for a while. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, I think uh, there there are some Tennessee fans. I think it's a vocal minority that that, that want to change now. Uh, and they say, well, if South Carolina can do it, why can't we? Uh, these these are two totally different situations. I mean, this, this Muschamp was in his fifth year. Um, he had a team full of his guys. Uh, his defense the past three games. He's supposed to be defensive coach. In their past three games, they gave up forty eight, fifty two, and fifty nine. Right? Um, that's and it's that, 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 that's ballpark, if not correct. It's right there it's to to LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A and M. I mean, and, and it's kind of it's kind of odd that that's sort of the final nail in the coffin for him because for so really going back to his days at Florida. You know, it was always about the offense. It, you know, he's all, they were always pretty good on defense, but then they, they they seemed to not have a direction on offense. What was their philosophy? Was it a good philosophy? You know, he'd gone through – I think Mike Bobo was his third offensive coordinator in five years, right? That sounds accurate, um, yes. So they had, what, Kurt Roper, I think, was their first one. And then they had – McClendon. Um, then McClendon. McClendon, yeah. And so they, they tried a few different kind and of things. And I, I thought under Bobo their offense had taken some nice steps. Well, they scored – 40 something point, you know, Kevin Harris had like 300 rush yards and five touchdowns the other night. So, um, it's kind of, it's kind of odd that after all the angst about their offense, it's, it's sort of their defense that gets them, um, that, that brings the hammer. But, um, I mean, uh, I kind of, I kind of laugh when I see people, you know, people, Tennessee fans say South Carolina is tired of mediocrity. That's why they're making this change. I mean, they, they let a guy come back after he was four and eight, right? Yeah, I mean, at, th- at that point, you're pretty much saying, uh, yeah, we're okay with mediocrity. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're okay with it, but we will give them another chance. And so, you know, yeah, they had a tough schedule last year, but they also lost North Carolina, who was under a first-year coach, and they lost Appalachian State, right? So, um, yeah, you know, I don't think anybody at Tennessee was having any questions about Jeremy Pruitt as head coach about 30-something days ago when they were leading at Georgia at halftime, right? I mean, we're talking, uh, we're talking a, a trend over – multiple seasons right west i mean 20 games six and 14 versus yeah. a, a four game losing streak so well, and, and, we're, and we're talking about a four game losing streak on the back of an eight game winning streak so right. i i think that perspective here is key now now could you sit here and make the argument you know that you've seen everything you need to see personally and that you know this is not going to end well okay that fair i, I can't sit it, here and say you're wrong if that's how you think that's fine but on the merits of things right now there, there is no merit right now to making that move. And I would say that in a normal year, 
let alone a year where you're losing $40 million in revenue. I, I told people, I went on a limb. I said, when they got to get rid of Butch, I said it. And I'll, I'll say it again when I think it reaches that point. Now, that doesn't mean I'm the only one who has a worthy opinion on this. Other people do as well. But I'll be honest about this. I, I don't think we know how this is going to end. Maybe you do. Good for you. I don't know. No, I, mean, I, I and, and you know, there's still a lot of football to left to be played, potentially, uh, if, if, yeah. if COVID will allow it. Um, I mean, Tennessee still has a chance. If you, I mean, if you get one of those uh, three non-bandy games, I think you have a different tenor about your season, right? Even yeah. if it's, you know, if it's four and six, and you, you know, somehow beat Florida, now they might need a blizzard for that to happen. I mean, uh, watching yeah. Florida the other night, I think I texted you guys that I'm like, I don't, I don't like Tennessee's chances unless there's a physical blizzard. No, the the, 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 the the quarterback whisperers got that offense just humming along. Um, so you know. Texas A&M, we'll see where they're at. You know, they, they you know, if they if they lose at Auburn the week before, they might come in kind of flat if their if their playoff hopes are doused. You never know. So, you know, maybe Tennessee turns a, maybe they just need two open dates instead of one. I don't know. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence in them to do that, but um, but it could go the other way too. I mean, if they lose out, I mean, if they lose to Vanderbilt, if they lose to this Vanderbilt. Uh, all bets might be off the table at that point, Wes. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I still don't and, think – And the bottom line I, – I, I don't think they're at a point right now where they're really, really, really considering that. I mean, I think it – you know, it, it has it reached a point where some people have a lot of questions and they don't like where this is going? 100% yes. Um, but I, I think – that's a lot different from saying, okay, now now we're we're looking around for other people. Uh, we're we're doing work behind the scenes. We're preparing ourselves in case it happens imminently. I don't think they are there right now. I just don't. Yeah, um, I you know, and that's to say, if you have questions, if you have major concerns, I think those are warranted. I mean, uh, at this point, you haven't seen the kind of improvement that you. We're hoping you'd see in 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 your in your three under your Jeremy Pruitt. Now there are some reasons for that. That's a whole other podcast we could probably talk about. But yeah, uh, pe- people don't want to hear that right now. Um, uh, and, and you know, a few weeks ago, like I said, Tennessee was ranked in the top fifteen. They were two and zero. They were leading at Georgia, and conversation was Pruitt. Pruitt's got them on the track to being back. This is the closest they've been to being back in however minute you know however long. So, uh, and now it's it's gone the other way. So there's there's still a lot of season left and it could it could go either way and and, and the bottom line and, and Wes, you and i have covered this program long enough to know that it's tennessee literally anything can happen and we probably would be surprised um and maybe it's it's one of those places where you kind of expect the unexpected but uh to kind of circle it back to must champ these situations aren't the same right now i would grant someone if they wanted to make the argument to me that there's some must champ shades with pruitt um, oh sure based, sure yeah just based off you have a defensive minded head coach who's kind of struggled to get the offensive side clicking the right way for whatever reason um I, I think that makes sense if you want to say that you know this is Pruitt's four and eight season that Muschamp had that sort of sets sets it up for you know if things don't go well next season then we're having a different conversation at this point in 2021 right I mean yep. I, I think if you want to make that case I think you can make that case yeah. Uh, but right now you're you're comparing a fifth year coach who is coming off of his worst year uh, in 2019 to a third year coach who a few weeks ago had an eight game winning streak, right? Nobody, nobody was really. I mean, there were some people that were kind of raising their eyebrows at, at the extension in the raise because uh, it happened so close to the start of the season, and Tennessee has sort of been bitten by this before. 
um, with Butch Jones. But at the same time, that raise probably could have been agreed to in March and probably was potentially in principle. Uh, and it just got, it just got pushed back. And I know some, I know some fans are wondering how can South Carolina fork out the money to pay, you know, to buy out Muschamp when, when, you know, Tennessee doesn't seem like a, they're in a situation to do that. South Carolina has been paying. What, what's their buyout fund over the past eight years? A lot less than Tennessee's. I mean, yeah. Tennessee's had to buy out Derek Dooley. They've had to buy out Butch Jones and his staff, both of those staffs. I don't, I don't, I don't want to run the numbers, but since he's paid a lot of buyout money past eight to 10 years across all sports, um, and, and true in February, the final Butch Jones payment is made. I don't know. You know, it, it's some, sometimes people think these buyouts are like a $15 million check. It's not, that's not how it usually works. It's usually paid out over time, but you still have to set aside that money. Right. Yeah. I'm not do. sure. I'm not sure. Especially in a year money. when, again, you're losing $40 million in revenue. Right. And, and so, you know, Tennessee, South Carolina probably isn't a financial, probably isn't a better financial situation Tennessee because they haven't had to pay 20 something million. That's probably not 20 million. Uh, we'll, we'll just say 15. <laughs> Uh, $15 million in buyouts over the past eight years, right? I mean, that, that doesn't, it doesn't take, you don't have to know the inner workings of South Carolina's financial situation to make that assumption because Steve Spurrier left on his own and he had been there for 10 years. Yeah, I think, here's the thing. I, I, I think it's very important. Now, now, this is a what have you done for me lately world, and I think we all recognize that, right? You'd have to be really naive not to recognize that. But I do think you have to look at the sort of the totality of a situation. I, I really do believe that. I think you have to look at that full body of work. And, Be and careful, Wes. You might get accused of carrying water. Yeah, I, it's fine. It's. I mean, <laughs> at this point, listen, some of the best advice I ever got in my journalism career was the first day uh, when I started work at the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And my boss at the time, Jay Greason, who's still there, now Stephen Hargis is the, is the sports editor, and Jay just works there and does other stuff. But at the time, he was sports editor, and he told me, if you do this job right, half the people will think you're a hater, and the other half will think you're a homer. If you do your job right, that's 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 what people will do. And I believe that, uh, so I, I live by that. But But I do think that you have to look at this. Let's look at each of the of the three seasons, right? Until you got to this season – you had more probably good than bad. Now, you had some bad, like the Georgia State game, okay, BYU, okay, you got some bad in there. There's some bad in there. Uh, but I think that you also saw a lot of good in there, and you saw a lot of potential. What has happened this season? Well, things have taken a big step back. There was a huge disruption to the sports world with COVID-19, and I think it's pretty clear to say now that Tennessee did not handle it as well as others did. Now, why is that? I, I don't know. Uh, but if you look at the if you just look at the body of work, you can see, well, Tennessee obviously did not do as much with this time period as others did because they got passed by some people that they had just passed. So that's pretty clear to see. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Now the question is this, why did it happen and how quickly can it be recovered from? Because if this is something like you mentioned, Pat, if this is you know the equivalent of Muschamp's four and eight season that kind of put him on a hot seat, Okay, fair enough. If that's what it is, that's what it is. You got to take the lessons that you've learned this year and you got to keep the thing going. You got to play a little bit better ball this season, try to, and then know that next season you will be under pressure and you have got to perform and you have to learn from what you did this season and apply that to next season. This guy's never been a head coach before. If he can take this season and learn from it, it might end up being a good thing for him. I don't know. I, you know, am I less optimistic than I was like a month ago? Well, duh, yeah, I am. But I don't think that that means that you go from, man, this guy's getting Tennessee back to, man, this guy has no chance. I just don't run that hot and cold. That's not that's not my nature. 
I, I think that let's see how this thing ends and let's see what lessons can be learned going into next season. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's four games left a lot, you know, it could get worse or it could get better. It could stay just about the same over these next four games, um, depending on, on how they play. And, and if they get any, uh, if they get any positive results um, on the field, not that was, that was probably poor choice words on my part, but um, I, I was looking at this last night. I, I wrote something for Monday morning um, about the five, five stats that best explain why Tennessee has struggled this season. And so we got some stuff on Jim Chaney, right? Since, since his last, uh, since 2012, right? His, his offense at Tennessee put up 36 points a game. Tyler Bray, Justin Hunter, Crow, Patterson, all this yeah. guys. Since then, uh, he's had offenses that averaged 32 points, 28 points, 35, and 38. The only two outliers were his first seasons at both Arkansas – uh, in Georgia when he averaged 21 at Arkansas in 2013 and 24 and a half at Georgia in 2016. Yeah. At both of those stops, his second season made, you know, you, at, at Arkansas, they went from 20.7 to 31.9. That's a pretty big jump. Georgia, they went from 24 and a half to 35.4. I mean, those, those are sizable jumps. And so, um, you know, Tennessee averaged what 24.2 points came last year this year. It's 20.7. So, that I, I think that's a big question that Pru is going to have to answer maybe starting these next four games. Um, he keeps talking about how they need to open up the, the offense, do more field, um, be more aggressive uh, in the way they play offense. Um, can you do that in the last four games and, and do it next year? I think that's a big question he has to answer. He obviously has to address the quarterback uh, situation and, you know, they got to fix some stuff defensively as well. But uh, there are some, some things that you, like you said, you want to see if they can address them these next four games. And then I, I think you want to see how he addresses them moving into the off season and moving forward towards next season. Yeah. My, my stance on this in general is that it, it's Tennessee's decision, what it wants to do with its coaches and its athletic department. So I can, I can say what I think I, I would do, but that doesn't mean that that's the only right answer. I mean, I'm wrong daily. I mean, that's part of life, but you know, I, I, I think that my point is this, there's just a middle ground there. I don't think if you're Tennessee, I don't think you ever, ever change your long-term vision of what this program needs to be and should be. I don't think you ever get rid of that because you're a loser if you get rid of that. You have to think and you have to know college football has been played for, what, 150 years, whatever it is at this point, a long, long, long time. Tennessee's been good a lot more than it's been bad. Now, Tennessee's been mediocre to bad for a while now, but it's not like this is a completely different world than the one in which Tennessee uh, was still really good. If you if you do this job correctly, you can win at Tennessee, and I think people need to understand that. I also think you need to look at what the culture has been like for the past 12 years, though, and realize that this is going to um, clearly take some time to fix, and you ha- you have to look at what's reasonable in the in the short term and how many how many bumps in the road are you willing to accept this has been a pretty big bump but it's also been in a weird year it's been in a weird year and it's the first time that there's been okay this 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 season in general looks really bad there was a lot of progress and a lot of momentum with this program moving forward clearly something's gone wrong but i think you i don't think it's wrong to to give someone the opportunity to to fix this i i just to me i'm not there yet maybe other people are and that's fine i'm just not there and there's other factors you consider too. I I think that 
you know, a lot, a lot of attention gets paid to the financial aspect of it, but this is also, uh, you know, I, I think we're exactly one month away from the start of the early signing period, right? And this is an early signing period where it's not like you can go to an in-home visit the week before and, and you know, persuade a kid to sign with you there because there's no in-person recruiting at all. So uh, that would be a risk there if you're making a change. And then there's also the likelihood that one-time transfer rule is going to pass in January. And so do you, you know, South Carolina, you know, their situation is what it is. They probably had to make a move, but they're also going to be sort of the, maybe the test run to what it's like to change, you know, undergo coaching change, coaching transition, coaching search, all of those things uh, with some new factors laid in. All right. Tennessee, you know, uh, Pruitt got hired, what, like a week and a half before their, the first early signing period. Um, and they managed yeah. to pull some things. They managed to pull some guys there late. Some of those guys haven't really panned out um, so far. Uh, and so, you know, uh, and now you're, you know, your, your recruiting job, if you're a new coach coming into a program this particular year is you're going to have to try to keep your roster from jumping ship. Cause it's, it's never, it's, it, if that rule passed in January, it, it will have never been easier for players to leave and change schools. Correct. Right. So, uh, you know, is that really the, the waters you want to go into, or if you're Tennessee, would you like to try to hold on, give Pruitt a chance to work his way out of it? avoid the potential mess because you don't, you know, you, you don't need that, right. You don't need more roster turnover. You don't need some of these guys from these past two classes that Pruitt signed that appear to be, have the chance to be decent players to be jumping ship. Right. And it's going to be, it's going to be more pertinent than ever to make position coach hires quickly. You don't want to leave vacancies for too long because if that rule passes as it should, uh, and I think that's right, the right thing to do, then you don't have a ton of time uh, in order to make kids stop feeling uneasy. You got to get a hire in there quick and you got to get them in front of their face and you got to convince them to stay. And that's, those are two general situations that uh, whether Michigan ends up making a change, uh, other places that might, you know, Texas, you know, Texas is kind of in their own league because they have endless money. And, you know, those two jobs are probably at a different level than what South Carolina and even Tennessee would be. Uh, if all those jobs were open at the same time, but do you, you know, in addition to the fact that you would have to pay probably 15 million thereabouts and, and buy out money over the next however many years um, in, in a year, you're losing 40 million and not knowing what the future is going to hold. Um, is that a situation you want to do? And do you want to try to be making a change during this particular year when, like I said, the recruiting and the roster management uh, situations are going to be different than they've ever been. That those are, those would be other factors for me, but uh, again, this is a win-loss business, and um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, Tennessee's going to do what it wants to do. But the bottom line is, I'm not there yet, and it would take an absolutely colossal, colossal failure this season, like the rest of the season, for me to even consider it. Because I just think, I mean, I've given my reasons. I just, and if you disagree with that, that's fine. I don't, I don't think that I'm, I'm not standing on a table here and saying it's got to be this way. I, I just think that, you know, this is – I think people, I think there's a middle ground between, oh, my God, this guy, give him a billion-dollar raise, or, or this guy has to be fired. Most things are in the gray area, and I think this is one of those things. And, and this should probably be a situation where you don't want him fired, but you also have – you're like, okay, I, I need some questions that need to be answered. I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little concerned. That's probably that's – pro- that's where I'm at, I would say. Uh, I, I, I think it's way too early to, to – uh, again, we'll see what happens over these next four games. But right now, on November the 16th, 
I, I'm not at that point yet with us. And, and if I'm a Tennessee fan, what on earth would make you want to have another coaching search? Does everyone forget what happened the last time? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills oh, here. Yeah. I, I mean, like I'm the, I feel like I invented the piano key necktie and no one's listening to me. And that's a Zoolander reference. If you haven't figured, uh, if you're not sure what that is. And um, you know, cause Derek Doolander was Tennessee's head coach. So it comes well, full that circle. Too. And that's the thing though, is you're, if you're Tennessee, your last, what three coaching searches you ended up with. Uh, you see, you got Lane Kiffin, right. Who was went out in a blaze of glory with the Raiders. You hired the Louisiana tech head coach and you hired the Cincinnati head coach and the Alabama defensive coordinator. It's not like you've been bringing in the big names. You know, everybody likes to say, you know, everybody likes to think that the co- this next coaching search will be the one that it gets, gets it right. Tennessee's tried that like three or four times now. It hasn't worked. Uh, what gives anyone any confidence that, uh, I mean, and, and coaching searches are, they're inherently crapshoots, right? Well, and I mean, and, just just and, look at Arkansas. You, you know, a couple of years ago, they hired Chad Morris, and on the, paper, you would think Chad Morris would have been a better hire than Sam Pittman. Yeah, right? the, the long yeah the longer it but takes, look how those worked out. And the longer it takes, the more the more you're running into the risk of not having a good, um, you know, it, it's like when 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 Lane Kiffin got there, he was battling some stale and mediocrity. And then Derek Dooley got there. He was fighting a couple years of just, you know, disaster or whatever. Butch Jones comes in and he's fighting, you know, half a dozen years or seven, eight years of, of mediocrity or, or bad football. And then Pruitt gets in there and he's battling 12, 13 years worth of bad, mediocre or just decent football. And so you're the, the more changes and the longer it takes, the harder it becomes to change a culture. And I think the more leeway you have to give somebody trying to change it. Now that that would be my opinion. Now other people can feel free to disagree with that. And I say, sure, if you can go hire Nick Saban or Urban Meyer uh, or Dabo Swinney, then you tell uh, Jeremy Pruitt, thanks for your service. There's the door. Get out and go on. Make the hire and do you. Uh, but if you're not going to get somebody like that, let's just make sure that the guy who's there can't do better. Uh, that that's my opinion. But I digress. Anything else, Pat? We're, we're rubbing up against time here. Uh, no, I have nothing else. Uh, in summation, no, that was perfectly mediocre, and I accept it. I think that's a good place to leave it. Thanks, Pat. Yep. And thank you, the listeners. We say that every time, but we could, we could say it even more. Thank you. We really do mean that. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, you can also, uh, if you just want Tennessee news, nothing else on your social media, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7, or you can go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7, which we update throughout the day, and there's all kinds of good stuff on there. Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water just right from the tap just right from the tap go get that at goball247.com the best site on all of al gore's internets to get coverage of tennessee football football recruiting basketball basketball recruiting baseball lady vol sports where maria cornelius the award-winning maria cornelius does an awesome job covering women's sports for us uh, we've got a couple of forums there for you on the site we've got the the checkerboard uh, which is uh, mostly dedicated to coverage of men's sports and and general sec stuff and general water cooler culture type fun stuff and then we got the summit which is the same thing but for women's sports uh the appropriately named summit so we call it 24 7 for a reason guys one of us is usually up any point in the day 
throughout the week. So you got a question, go there. We'll answer it for you no matter where you live, no matter what time zone you're in. Uh, we'll be there. We'll talk to you. We'll have a little fun. That's what we try to do, right? And that becomes more important in years like this because things suck. And we live in a virtual world where things are just not as fun, but uh, we can make the most of it. Go to there to GoVoss247.com. Less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month will get you access to all of that. There are It's hard to find a good deal these days. That's still a good deal. And if you pay us full price, which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month, that's it. You pay us the full price, you get access in perpetuity. As long as you pay us full price, you get access to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform, which is everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial-free. And there's a ton of shows in the CBS network. All classics to now. All of them commercial-free. New movies in and out every single month. Live sports. You got Tennessee sports. Uh, you got SEC sports. You got NFL. You got college basketball. NCAA tournament. March Madness is on there. Uh, you've got, uh, I think I said the NFL already. You got UEFA uh, Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Series of Poker stuff, exclusive podcast stuff, plus everything, uh, tons of stuff from Comedy Central and from MTV and BET, and then for the kids, Smithsonian and Nickelodeon. That's a $100 plus annual value that we give you for free every year. That's like us putting 100 big ones in your pocket without touching you because that would be gross. But metaphorically speaking, we're putting $100 in your pocket every single year. Nobody else can do that. We can go check it out. If nothing else, no breaking news. You should hear from us at the latest by Thursday. Maybe, maybe before then, but at the latest by Thursday. So until then, be safe, wear your mask, socially distance. Let's beat this thing together. And uh, maybe we can have normal life pretty soon. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.